I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Wednesday, June 17, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We're going to get right into the action because we have some important developments to discuss. We have the all-important 312.15. Now, the market closed today below 312.15. The question on the board right out of the chute is, is it important? What do we do with that information? We're going to unpack all that stuff. We're going to unpack a lot of other stuff. In fact, I'm going to go over something that we normally don't discuss, but I want to point out, A, how we know a lot of times when an important number is exactly important. And we're going to also use something with the futures as somewhat of a teachable slash learnable moment. Not necessarily an end-all, be-all of importance, but there is a difference between the 4 o'clock close the 415 close, and I want to show you a little something that went on today in between the 4 and 415 close, and it also supports the case about 312.15. Let's first set the table. So we know where the market closed, 311.66. We know why 312.15 is important. It's the top of a breakdown candle, and since we got above the breakdown candle and closed above it, that's generally under normal garden variety market conditions using the 80-20 rule. That's a signal that it's bullish and they're likely going higher. Now we have the next day, we close back below it, not by all that much, but we did close back below it. So if you're painting by the numbers, following the rules, you would say, all right, well, the bullish case is off the table until they close back above it. Technically, on daily close, that is the case. Let me go a step farther. Here's a five-minute chart, and it includes the after-hours activity. So what you can see here is the 4 o'clock close is right here on the dark red candle. The following candles fought their way back up and then through 312.15, but they're still fighting it as I make this video, and it's past the 4.15 close. Now, at this point, the daily close was where it was. I don't really care what happens from this point. What I want to show you is a couple of things. A, there are reasons why I use the futures. There's a lot of reasons why I use the futures. One of them being the difference between the 4.15 close and the 4 o'clock close. I do take a look. It's not important every day. In fact, most of the time, it's not important. It's a non-event. But sometimes, it gives a clue. It gives a hint. In other words, yeah, they close the day below the number, but they're flirting with the number right after the close. Is it trying to tell us something? Are they just faking everybody out, wearing everybody out? Is it just an episode of the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate crew doing an end-of-the-day shakeout only to have the market gap up again or do one of those thieves in the middle of the night where they jam the market higher in the futures and then they open higher tomorrow morning, faking everybody out. And what they've done, if they do do that, is they've shaken out the weak hands. They do that all the time. So what I wanted to do is bring this scenario to your attention because it's just part and parcel to how the market works. For example, back on the daily chart, they close below an important number. Should the market sell off? Is it a signal of weakness? 
And are we going to see the bear case unfold with lower prices over the next few days? Under normal garden variety conditions, you would say the probabilities are leaning in that favor. Where would the market be going? The first thing they would do is come back and take care of the gap that was unattended to. What am I talking about? Well, you have a gap right here. The price is 307.05. You have a low in this candle here from yesterday of 307.67. So they didn't hit the gap. We talked about it at length yesterday in a variety of markets. And that's the first thing they would do is take care of the unattended to gap. What if they don't go down? What if the end of the day was a hint? What if they're actually going to trade up tomorrow, up Friday, whatever it is? What if they're not going to go down? What's the story? Well, the story essentially hasn't changed. Let's go over to an hourly chart and continue that conversation. Yesterday, we talked about two possible scenarios with the hourly chart, and really it has not cleared up. It's the same story. We have Case number one, which is a bull flaggish type of pattern, and there it is right there. You have a flagpole on the gap up from Monday, and you have a flag waving in the wind, and this is bullish, and this generally sends the market higher to do what? Fill the gap at 319. That's also part and parcel to this entire conversation. If they're not going to go down, and they're going to flip around, and they're going to finally continue up, they're going to fill the gap up above 319. For argument's sake, what we'll do is call it 319 to 320, give or take on either side. That's where the market would be headed if, in fact, this bullish pattern on the hourly chart and others, obviously, played out to the northern direction. What did they do? All they did so far, they haven't failed, essentially, other than closing below an important number. But as far as this pattern is concerned, just looking at this pattern, if the 312.15 wasn't on the board and we weren't considering that an extremely important number, we would say all they did was pull back into the convergence or near convergence of these moving averages. There's nothing wrong with that type of market behavior. What's the other side of that? Remember, we're the umpire calling balls and strikes. The other side of that is looking at it as somewhat of a gap in crap. And we talked about that yesterday. It was mainly profit taking until it's not. But we have a move down from the highs yesterday. And then we have a bear flag pattern. And guess what? Until and unless they close above the high over here, then there's no dice and there's no gap to be filled at 319. So essentially, we have a range. And the range on this chart was essentially 312.15 on the downside. And this is basically 315. And we'll call it 315.40 to 315.65. That's near the top end of that breakdown candle. Let me qualify that. I'm going to take away breakdown candle. I don't want to call this a breakdown candle. It's just a candle. It has a large tail and it has a big red portion, but it's not a breakdown candle. It's in this upper range. We're just calling it what it is. This was a bullish, flaggish pattern from the gap up on Monday until it's not. The first step toward it being not was a close below 312.15. Speak of the devil, and I'll give you the time. 4.33, 4.34 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and they're still flirting with the important number. Now, we're going to find out on Thursday how important that was, and was it the daily close, or was it the shenanigans after hours? 
Generally speaking, and I know this question will come up, I don't consider after hours anything. I'm showing this to you because there's some shenanigans going on, and in the big scheme of things, they didn't close below by all that much. All this is an awareness. Now we're going to talk about something else. There's always a method to the madness, so bear with me. The vertical line represents everything where today's activity took place is to the right of that line, 314.11 is a new number that appeared on the board. 314.11 was a gateway today that the market needed to close short-term and then hourly candles above to get up to that 315, 50, 40, 65 area. Right, inside the numbers. So what we'll do here is go through the commentary and what you'll see is a market that was mush all day. It was a rather narrow range, all things considered, between essentially the 314.11 on the north side and just below 312.15 on the south side. So I'll run up and let you read the notes. You can pause the video at your leisure, and what you'll see is the important numbers identified. Here's the early thoughts. And before the market opens, it's a let's say they stay bullish. Remember, they opened higher, but then they went lower. So you don't know that's going to happen before the opening bell. Let me scroll up and you can read them at your leisure. I'm not going to bore you by reading in the notes. You know the important numbers. Market was in a range. You'll see what happened. I urge you to read the notes and then go back to the charts and see what happened. See if the important numbers are in fact important numbers. See if this type of information is able to be helpful to you during the trading day if in fact you're active during the trading day. Of note, the IWM is very weak. I'm the tour guide for the market during the day. You're not always going to pick up a blockbuster trade in the SPY. There's not always a blockbuster trade on the board. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. Sometimes the blockbuster trades are found on stocks on the move. Sometimes the crap trades are found in stocks on the move. We take the good, the bad, and the ugly. You never know walking into the day, putting on your uniform, you never know exactly what you're going to get. We take what the market gives us every single day and we come back the next day again in uniform, ready to play. Now let's take a look at the stocks on the move section and we'll take a look at RCL, Oracle, Ingersoll Rand, and Geo Group. Again, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here's a five-minute chart of Royal Caribbean. As you can see from yesterday's close, getting a pretty nice big buzz cut. 58.12, 57.25 were the numbers on the board bright and early. And you can see it gave the trade off of both prices, but it just didn't give the blockbuster trade. Either way, we take base hits all day long. And by the way, if you painted by the numbers and you bought half a position at 58.12 and another half at 57.25, and you exited over here around midday at the high or near the high just by chance, and this is a hypothetical, I know, but the high was 59, so any way you look at it, still a pretty decent intraday trade, no doubt about it. How about Oracle? Oracle getting its buzz cut at the open, 52.18 was a number on the board, again, bright and early, so it gave the deal pretty much right out of the gate. It gave better than a 1% gain, so the concept is, Traders should be taking a portion of the position off and see how high it can go. It came back down. So maybe you got stopped out. 
Maybe it didn't. Either way, you can see what happened. It fought this price. It gave the trade a few times, and then it dove to the second level at the end of the day. Kind of funny how it stopped within two cents of the second price. Anybody think that price was important? I think it was. Again, nothing to write home about. However, we take what the market gives us each and every day. How about I.R. Ingersoll Rand? We have a little bit to discuss here. There's definitely some lessons to take away. So, $30.04 is on the board bright and early. What's the low in this candle? $30.05, and they start to trade away, making a high of 30.33. Not a great trade, but you did get a 1% out of it. What do you mean, you got? Because I know traders jumped in a couple of pennies before the number. I'm not saying that's what caused the bounce here. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but I know that to be the case. So a couple of things after that. A, you can see the importance of the number. And by the way, it also makes sense, and this wasn't the reason, but it's a big fat round number. $30 is a big fat round number. You're going to get some activity around numbers like that. 20, 30, 40, 10, 50, whatever. You're going to get activity nine times out of 10 around those numbers. But painting by the numbers, it was a no trade. So be it. When it comes back down and goes lower, you don't care because it was a no trade. The market was stuck in the mud today. The stocks were stuck in the mud today. It happens. And then we have Geo Group. Let's go through Geo Group, go through how to treat these trades inside the numbers. Let's call it what it was. This was a shit burger. Let's go through it this way. 1247 by number one, 1214 by number two, painting by the numbers. Average cost, $12.30, painting by the numbers. Let's talk hourly closes for a second. Let's talk, how do you stop out? Why would you stop out of a trade? I put hourly closes up on the board. Let's get something clear. The hour is on the half hour. The market opens at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every day. Therefore, the first hour of the day ends at 10.30 a.m. And every hour after that is considered an hour and an hourly close. The hourly close listed on the board for Geo Group happened to be $12.02. Once again, and I say this all the time, the hourly closes are not an arbitrary number. They're a number that the stock should not be closing hourly below. Otherwise, the entire thing was a debacle. It was totally, absolutely wrong. Sometimes they're wrong for a while and then they're right later. As long as they don't close hourly below a certain number, the trade is still active. So where was the first hourly close? Let's take a look. Right here, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Close 12.13 above the stop. There you go. Let's go to the second hour of the day. 11.30 a.m. is the second hour of the day. The close is what? 12.04. I get it. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good, but it's above the number. They're running a test. You can see the rest. That's all she wrote. The stock came back, and as long as you painted by the numbers, you didn't get hurt. You got out at least even or with a slight gain, and some traders did. They emailed me. I, on the other hand, this particular trader ate a shit burger. Why? Not because I didn't wait for the hourly close. I paint by the numbers. However, I had to leave for an appointment. And guess what? I didn't want to sit in this thing because anything goes. If I'm not watching it, I'm thinking about it. I didn't want to be thinking about it. I don't want to lose money while I'm not watching. So I ended up eating a shit burger. But that was my decision based on something I couldn't control. 
For the record, I eat shit burgers just like everybody else. You're not going to win every trade. I don't win every trade. We're human. I get the same emotions that you get. I know how to manage them better, maybe, than some of you. That comes from experience, and it also comes from knowing where the numbers are. I'm less concerned, I guess you would say, because I have confidence in the numbers. I know not all the trades are going to work out, but guess what? I also know the majority of them will work out, so I just keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and you know what? It works. Let's wrap the SPY using the 120-minute chart, and we'll just reiterate a couple of things in closing, and then we'll move on to other markets. We have the same conflict. I can make a case in both directions. Bull flag pattern, bear flag pattern. They're not perfect flags either way. I'm just using the terminology bear pattern, bull pattern. Bear pattern plays out, they're going to come back and fill the gap. If the bullish pattern works out, they're going to go and fill the gap. That's the deal. They're basically in between the two. So there's no clear signal one way or the other. And then they did the thing where they dropped below an important number at the close and they're still fighting the number. What about Camp IWM? Well, here's a tell. They're coming to fill the gap that we just talked about in another market. They were weak all day long. You saw it in the commentary. Down 1.69% while the SPY was down one-third of 1%. It's nothing. The IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator for a reason. What about the folks down at the transportation department? They look similar to the SPY today. They are my second favorite market-leading indicator, a number one canary in the coal mine. Now, remember this one. They filled the gap yesterday, so they're ahead of the power curve. They seem to be the lead dog, at least in terms of leading market indicator between the IWM and the transports. In fact, I think they're equal at this point. We have the canary doing one thing. We have the IWM doing something else. They're both basically doing the same thing. It's a long way off, but the bogey is Monday's low, this reversal here. If the market cannot sustain that reversal, that's big trouble. Let's have that conversation using the SPY chart as well. So we had a nice big reversal on Monday. I should have mentioned this before. It slipped my mind. The catch is it wasn't on larger volume than the way down, so... That's certainly of note. But the following day, the follow-through day, was on larger volume. That's bullish in and of itself. But here's the key. They have to remain above the low on a closing basis, on a daily closing basis, above Monday's low. Otherwise, there's big trouble. When the market gives up a reversal day, that's trouble. The reversal day in and of itself is supposed to be a recocking of the gun for higher prices. If it fails... Look out below. We'll address it if and when that takes place, but that's the deal. With the transports, what we'll say is, if the transports begin getting below about 9,000 on an hourly basis and then close the day below 9,000, that would be a warning signal. That's like a shot across the bow. It's shooting a flare up in the air. Certainly something to keep an eye on. Silicon Valley, what's going on out with Q cubed. It is remarkable. Up another half a percent today. And you know what comes next. There's nothing wrong with this market. It's in an uptrend. Therefore, it's bullish, period, full stop. If the rest of the market or other indices come down, it'll certainly come down. But look how much space there is between current price and the 20 period moving average, which obviously was recently tested last week. So therefore, same rule applies. Monday's low is the bogey. 
If they cannot sustain above the reversal, big trouble ahead. How about the financials? We know the routine, so there's a couple of things going on here with the financials. Same scenario with Monday's candle. That goes across all markets. Without the financials, the market's not going very far in either direction. So the financials were down 1.5% today. So you had the IWM down, you had the financials down, you have the canary in the coal mine in terms of the transportation department. While it wasn't down a lot today, it was doing the canary thing yesterday. So how can we not take notice of these things? IWM, transports, financials, the SPY closing below an important number. We know about the shenanigans, but they still closed below. Painting by numbers, it should be bearish. Put together with all these other things, it should be bearish. Technically speaking, we should see the market have some downside over the next couple of days. Back above 312.15, and they're likely going to fill the gap at 319. That's the only way that I can read this market at present. How about Smash Mouth? Talk about divergences. So you have the SMH, which is a good proxy or leading indicator for the tech space, and it was up 1.5% today. So you have the Qs up, you have Smash Mouth up, and you have everything else doing what it was doing. So we do have some divergences that doesn't mean one thing or mean something else. We have information. We take all the information, we put it on the table, and we try and assemble the pieces to the puzzle into a picture. We play the umpire until the picture becomes clear, and then we call it what it is. It may be a bang-bang play, but he's either out or he's safe. There is no in-between. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, and without you, these videos are not possible? True, accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. It's everything that I needed to and wanted to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.